Well, praise the Lord. You know, there are many differences between us and God. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? But the one difference between us and God is the difference with viewpoint. And let me, let me give you an example. How many of you have ever been to a parade? We've all been to a parade. When we watch a parade, we watch a parade progressively. In other words, we watch the band marching with another one following after that. We watch a parade going by one band after another. God, however, watches the whole parade. From the beginning to the end, he watches it. He doesn't have to stand in a corner waiting for a parade or for the band to come around the corner. He sees all at once. And that's the difference between us and him as far as our viewpoints are concerned. We see things progressively where God sees all things at once. And that's why the Bible says that, it, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because, you know, we've got to believe that God sees what you and I cannot see. We've got to believe that God sees the things that even though we cannot see coming around the corner, we've got to, we've got to believe that God sees the things that are not plain and visible to us. We also have to believe that God is working even when we don't see him working. We've got to believe that God is, is up to something even though we can't see what he's doing. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Tonight I want to talk to you about God working all of the time. Tonight you're going to see that God is constantly active behind the scenes working things out for your good and on your behalf. There was a story about a young man who at 16 years of age was saved right here at Faith Christian Center. When, and at some point he sort of backslid and went back into the world. And he was living a very dangerous and very harmful life. I mean, he was involved in everything. I mean, he was dealing drugs. He was doing drugs. He was drinking and partying and womanizing. And it's interesting, too, because he met a young Christian woman, got married and had a child. But that marriage failed. So he went back into the world and just lived a, a bad life. He, he had this very bad habit of drinking. And he's, he got into so many accidents. I mean, he even rolled his car over. As a matter of fact, it even made the news. This man was living a very dangerous life, a young man. And there are, a lot of his friends and families in this church had been praying for him. And there was one particular incident where um, his father went to go see him. And uh, it is interesting, too, because the lifestyle he was living, doing drugs, selling drugs, but he was also stealing drugs from drug dealers. Very dangerous thing to do. And so when his father went to go see him, he wasn't home, but he saw the landlord. And the landlord began to talk about everything that was going on in his son's life. When he finally got caught up with his son, he told his son, listen, son, I know everything. I know everything that you're doing. Why don't you come with me and just, you know, just get away from all this. So the son agreed to do that. A week after he had left to go with his father, his roommate, his friend, the one he was going around stealing from drug dealers, was murdered by one of the drug dealers that they were stealing from. And it's interesting how he wasn't there at the time when it happened. And of course, years have gone by where it's just going to a vicious cycle. And I just found out that 19 months ago, he had given his life back to the Lord. He stopped drinking. He's working at a halfway house as a counselor and getting paid very well. And part of his job is having Bible studies and praying for the inmates. And his life has completely turned around. He's even going to college to get, get his bachelor's degree. And not only that, but the wife 
that he had divorced is now getting back into his life with his child. And they've been talking about reuniting once again. It's a beautiful story of a young man who just lived a wild life and years of living dangerously came coming so close to death only to find his way back serving God. And this time he's serious. And I say all that because God is working things out in our lives. Even though it may not seem like things are working, even though it may seem like we're in a mess and we wonder, Lord, where are you? God is still working. If you have your Bibles with you, go to John chapter 5. You know, I'm amazed at the technology that we have today. And I'm not big on technical stuff, but something as simple as a cell phone. I mean, you can talk to somebody on the other side of the world and hear his voice very clearly. And even though I can't see the signals, and the thing is that the phone is not connected to any, anything, but it just amazes me how I can hear someone's voice so clear from on the other side of the world. And even though I can't see the signals, I can take... I mean, you can rely on the fact that it's working most of the time when it comes to cell phones. Have you given the thought that God, who's also working, not most of the time, but all of the time, even though we cannot see it, God is working. If there's anything that I want you to get before you leave is that God is working. I don't want you leaving here tonight not knowing that God is up to something and he's working it out on your behalf even though you don't see it. But God is working. If you're in John chapter 5, it's a story where Jesus had just finished healing a, a man who was afflicted with 38 years, uh, for 38 years of some sort of affliction. And... Uh, and it sort of riled up a lot of Jews because he did it on a Sabbath day. And the Bible says that they were so angry they began to persecute him and wanted to kill him. And so I like the way Jesus responded to him, to, to, the, to the Jews. And I'm going to read this from the NIV. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work. To this very day, and I too am working. Read that to you from the Amplified Version. But Jesus answered them, My father has worked even until now. He has never ceased working. He is still working. And I too must be at divine work. So what we see here today is that God is always constantly at work. And he's not stopped working. God has been working since before creation. And even though... There was this issue about working on the Sabbath. What the Jews didn't understand was that they were speaking to the Son of God, who was the creator of the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, Matthew 12 and 2, I believe, says that, uh, that Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the creator, and the creator is always greater than the creation. But God is always working, even through the Sabbath. And I really want you to get this. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. God is always working all the time, all around us. 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read uh, in verse 14. And this is where the king of Syria was looking for and was after Elisha the prophet. When he found out where he was, he gathered up his army just for one man and went to the town where he was staying. And it beginning to pick up in verse 14. It says, he, the king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant or the servant of the man of God, the man of God being Elisha, had risen early and gone out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? 
Imagine walking out of your house and seeing a whole multitude of armies surrounding you. Not something you expect in the morning. When Elijah's servant saw this army surrounding him, he became terrified. He became so terrified, he panicked. And he ran back inside and says, Elisha, what must we do? How many of you have ever asked that question? You found yourself in situations overwhelmed and didn't know what to do. How many of you cried out, what can we do? And Elisha, in verse 16, says this. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And in verse 17, I like this, Elisha knew something that the servant didn't know. Even, even though he was facing a very serious and dangerous situation, you notice that Elisha was calm. Where the servant was terrified in a state of panic, it was obvious that Elisha knew something. But because Elisha realized that the servant was scared, Elisha prayed to God and asked that God open up his eyes to see what's really going on, what's going on behind the scenes. And so in verse 17, it said, Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Glory to God. There's more with us than more with whatever it is that you're facing. That's what's going on behind the scenes. There is a divine activity that goes on that we're not aware of. But God is busy all the time. And even though it may not be obvious to us, that does not mean that God is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. When the world around us seems to be crumbling and we find ourselves in difficult times, we can only rely on this one truth. That God is working seven days a week, 24 hours a day. God never sleeps. God never takes a vacation. God never takes a time off. He never takes a sick day. God doesn't take holidays. God is always active. And boy, I take great comfort in knowing that God is always on the job, always available, always present. And why? Because God is up to something. He's up to something for you. He's up to something for me. God is actively involved in our world. It's just something, it's not like he didn't have a choice. God wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to be involved and therefore, he wants to do a mighty work for us, in us, and, f- and around us. What I love about God is this. Even though we know he's working, and he's working very hard, and he's very busy, you and I are the reason why God's working so much. You and I are the reason why God is so involved. Boy, I tell you, when you think about that, you realize how he's doing all of this just for you and just for me. And more importantly, he knows that we need him to be working in our lives. There are unseen divine activities that is going on, unseen on our behalf, just as we saw in Elisha's day. And the same God that Elisha served is the same God that we serve today. He doesn't change. God is doing things that you and I can't even see or even imagine. We're going to read uh, in verse 14 and... This is where the king of Syria was looking for and was after Elisha the prophet. When he found out where he was, he gathered up his army just for one man and went to the town where he was staying. And it beginning to pick up in verse 14. It says, he, the king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant or the servant of the man of God, the man of God being Elisha, had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling this city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? 
Imagine walking out of your house and seeing a whole multitude of armies surrounding you. Not something you expect in the morning. When Elijah's servant saw this army surrounding him, he became terrified. He became so terrified, he panicked, and he ran back inside and said, Elisha, what must we do? How many of you have ever asked that question? You found yourself in situations, overwhelmed, and didn't know what to do. How many of you cried out, what can we do? And Elisha, in verse 16, says this, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And in verse 17, I like this, Elisha knew something that the servant didn't know. Even even though he was facing a very serious and dangerous situation, you notice that Elisha was calm. Where the servant was terrified in a state of panic, it was obvious that Elisha knew something. But because Elisha realized that his servant was scared, Elisha prayed to God and asked that God open up his eyes to see what's really going on, what's going on behind the scenes. And so in verse 17, it said, Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Glory to God. There's more with us than more with whatever it is that you're facing. That's what's going on behind the scenes. There is a divine activity that goes on that we're not aware of. But God is busy all the time. And even though it may not be obvious to us, that does not mean that God is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. When the world around us seems to be crumbling and we find ourselves in difficult times, we can only rely on this one truth. That God is working seven days a week, 24 hours a day. God never sleeps. God never takes a vacation. God never takes a time off. He never takes a sick day. God doesn't take holidays. God is always active. And boy, I take great comfort in knowing that God is always on the job, always available, always present. And why? Because God is up to something. He's up to something for you. He's up to something for me. God is actively involved in our world. This is something, it's not like he didn't have a choice. God wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to be involved And therefore, he wants to do a mighty work for us, in us, and and around us. What I love about God is this. Even though we know he's working, and he's working very hard, and he's very busy, you and I are the reason why God's working so much. You and I are the reason why God is so involved. Boy, I tell you, when you think about that, you realize how he's doing all of this just for you and just for me. And more importantly, he knows that we need him to be working in our lives. There are unseen divine activities that is going on, unseen on our behalf, just as we saw in Elijah's day. And the same God that Elijah served is the same God that we serve today. He doesn't change. God is doing things that you and I can't even see or even imagine Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think or even imagine. God is up to something, and it concerns us. What I love about God, too, is this. God is not a slacker when it comes to work. God has great work ethics. And what I love about God is he always finishes what he starts. In Genesis 2.2, 2, the Bible says that on, uh, when he reached the seventh day, the Bible says he finished all the things that he had done and he rested on that seventh day. Philippians 1.6 says that 
Paul tells us that he is very confident in this very thing, that the work that God had started in us, he says he will perfect, complete, and do everything he can to make sure it is finished unto the day of our Lord. So God has tremendous work ethics. Go to Mark chapter 16. Every work that God is doing involves us. We are right in the center of where God wants us to be and right where God wants to, uh, wants to do his work. God is either doing something in us, he's either doing something with us, or he's doing something for us. Mark chapter 16, this is when Jesus was commissioning his disciples to go out and preach the gospel to all the whole world. And after he was ascended up high, the Bible says in verse 20, <coughs> that they, the disciples, went out and preached everywhere. And look at what he says. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. The Lord not only was willing to work with them, but also confirming them and their work with the power in order to guarantee results. Anytime you and I set out to do whatever we set out to do in whatever endeavor in our Christian walk, whether it's witnessing, whether it's preaching, or, whether, or just being a godly husband, a godly wife, or a godly parent, God wants to work with you. And not only work with you, but confirm his power so that you can have guaranteed results in whatever you do. Every time we walk, God is there with us, working with us, making sure that we complete the work, complete whatever it is that we endeavor to do, and fulfilling his will and purpose. That's what God is all about. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul tells, it says in, to the Corinthian church in chapter 3 where he plants and Apollos waters. And he said, but it's God that gives the increase. And what Paul is showing us is this partnership that he has with God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, or 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, he says this, for we are God's what? Co-workers, co-laborers, or God's fellow workers. You're God's field and God's building. So God wants to work with us in everything that we do. 2 Corinthians 6, 1, Paul says, We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So Paul recognized the partnership that he had with God because he knew that he couldn't accomplish anything without God. Jesus says in John 15, verse 5, that without me, you can do nothing. So we know that God works with us. He also works in us, go with go to First Corinthians chapter twelve. Now I share with you Philippians one six, but I want to read that to you in the Amplified version while you're going to First Corinthians twelve. Philippians one six in the Amplified says this, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion. In you. Hallelujah. There's a work that God wants to do in us. And you know that God is trying to get us to a place where for us, it's sort of like outside of our boundary. God wants to take us to a place where we're kind of uncomfortable. You know, it's okay if we can go with him as long as we know that there's a safe haven we can run back to. As long as there's a place of comfort that we can run to when things doesn't work out. But God is trying to pull us out and trying to elevate us and get us to a place where he needs us to be. But to do that, he has to work with us and he also has to work in us because there's some things that need to be developed in our lives. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that you need some developing? Yes. We, every end should be up. But God provides that. He is working perfecting and developing something in us so he can bring us to the next place and next level. And again, sometimes those places that he wants to take us are scary, uncomfortable, 
but it's a place that's necessary for us to go in order to grow and to develop and be what all that he wants us to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the many uh, administrations and gifts that are in the church. And in verse 6 he says this, There are varieties or of, of operations, but the same God who works all in all, or who works all things in all persons. Again, we see where God is working in us. The spiritual gifts, the many administrations and, and the operations, all within the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, why don't you go there? Hebrews 13, verse 21. Hebrews 13, verse 21. It says, Equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me read you Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Once again, we see God working for us. I mean with us, we see God working in us. Now it's, let's look at God working for us. Go to Job chapter 37. And I want to talk to you a little bit about Joseph. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. And you know, I often like to refer to Joseph many times because there's so many things I can get out of that. You know, we can read the Bible throughout the whole Bible once. But it would be ridiculous to say, well, I've read everything and I've learned as much as I could. So there's no point in reading again. But you can get so much out of the Bible because the Bible is always fresh. The Bible never gets old. There's always something that you can get out of that, something that you can glean from it, something that you can learn. Even if you read the story several times, God is showing you and teaching you something. And I love the way God works because he doesn't give you everything at once. But he gives you a little bit that you need. So you can chew on it and grow and develop and digest it so you can come back for some more. But Joseph is a good example of God doing a mighty work. When we look at Joseph's life, it reminds us how God works even when things are falling apart around us. It also reminds us how God uses all the events in his life and get him to where God wanted him to be. And we know the story of Joseph. He went from the pit to the palace. His brothers hated him. And because of their jealousy and hatred for him, they, they tore his, the, the, the coat that his father had made for him. They threw him in a dark pit where he was confused, lonely, and distressed. And because of his jealousy and hatred of the brothers towards him, they wanted to kill him. But instead, they sold him to slavery. And so he was carried off into a foreign land and lived his life as a house slave. But in the midst of all the horrific situations in Joseph's life, God was working. After being sold into slavery, and after serving as a house slave, then after being accused of something that he didn't do, and then languished for two years in prison, God elevated him to the second most powerful position in Egypt. And in that place of, or, or position that, he, that God had elevated him to, he was able to not only save his brothers or his family from the, the, the effects of the famine, but he also was able to reconcile with his brothers. He was also able to reunite with his father. And most important of all, he was able to preserve the righteous line that carried the seed of the Messiah. God had been working throughout all of Joseph's life. Now, if we were in, in Joseph's perspective, from his shoes, it would seem as though man is like, I have bad luck. Nothing seems to be working for me. The life has thrown me a curve, and it seems like no matter where I go and where I turn, life is messed up. 
I don't ever get any breaks. But in the midst of all of that, God is working. And you know, not once have I heard any complaints from Joseph. There's no record of him complaining. But he went through that process and God was able to take him, elevate him, and use him for something far greater than himself. But I love it when God knows what he's doing. And I want to encourage you tonight that whatever it is that you're going through right now, know this, God is working. God is working it out, whatever it is that you're going through. He's working it out. And all you need to do is just trust him. Just trust him. There are times when we want to just cry out, says, Lord, where, where are you, Lord? What must I do? What can I do? Where are you? But if you trust him, you hear his voice saying, trust me. I'm working on it. I got this. So we see all of this going on. And so you think, okay, all's well that ends well. Went through all that stuff and then got elevated and was holding the second most powerful position in Egypt. I and mean, he had it all now. Things were going good. But let me ask you this question. Was the end of his life as good as it turned out? Was that very clear to him when he was languishing in jail? Do you think that his, the end of his life was very clear to him when he was in the pit that his brother threw him in? When he was in a slave market being sold like a a piece of property, do you think that the end of his life was clear to him? When we find ourselves in a dark pit in our lives, the end is never clear. Imagine Joseph going through all that stuff, never knowing if he ever going to be free. Never knowing if he ever is going to see his father or his family again. Never ever knowing if he is ever going to live a normal life. Because Joseph's life was nothing but nothing normal. I mean, from a young man, his whole life was changed. But it isn't always clear when you're in the bottom of the pit Wasting away. But God is working it out. Look at what Job, are you in Job? Chapter 37, verse 5, it says this. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. How many of you have ever asked yourself this question when you found yourself in difficult times? Lord, what's going on? Lord, where are you? Lord, why am I going through this? Lord, why aren't you helping me? You know, instead of begging God to get you out of a pit, maybe you should ask God to show you how he's working in your pit. In hard times, it's sometimes difficult to see God at work, but that doesn't mean that God is not working. Listen, God is not hiding from you. God has not forgotten you. God is working. And you know, I think the last time when I, was, when I spoke, I said that one of the most effective weapons of the devil is discouragement. When you find yourself in these dark times, don't understand why you're going through these things. And understand too that sometimes we go through things because the devil puts things in our way. Sometimes we go through things because of our own dumb decisions. Should I say, can I say that? Dumb decisions? We're all guilty of that, right? And sometimes God will allow us to go through these things because there are some things that he's working in us. There are some things that he wants to work with us. But he's also working around for us, even through the hard times. And one of the most difficult things to go through, even for myself, is when you're going through some rough times... And it's something that doesn't seem to end. And it's just an ongoing thing. And it's just the same stuff all the time. And then you begin to question, Lord, how much longer? Go to Psalm chapter 13. 
Psalm chapter 13, and you know David was a great king. Had some great victories in his life. Had also some great tragedies in life. He had some difficult times and he had some good times. But he was a great king. And I love how he starts off in Psalm chapter 13, beginning verse 1. He starts off by saying, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Notice he said, how long, four times. We're talking about the greatest king ever. Yet he was going through a very difficult time in his life. And God didn't seem to be working or, or, or coming to his aid. And it must have been a while because he said, how long? Four times. But it's not so much how he started his prayer, it's how he ended it. Look in verse 5. But I trust you, or I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Verse 6 says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. That's all that David had. Was the fact that that he knew that God loved him, and he knew that God would not fail him. And all he could do was sing unto the Lord. Lord, I know that you're my salvation. I know you're going to come through for me. I don't know when. I don't know how. You know, it's interesting. We may not always know or understand how God is working in our lives. We may not always know or understand when God will work in our lives. But we do know that he is at work in our lives. God is working on it. Say that with me. God is working on it. Go to Genesis chapter 50. Going back to Joseph. God hasn't stopped loving you. God is not hiding from you. And God certainly has not forgotten you. He is working it out. Joseph made a very important statement in chapter 50. He had already been promoted. He's already shown his power. He's been reunited with his family. And his brothers were asking for forgiveness because they realized how terrible they were they were to him and how they treated him and asking for forgiveness. And I like how Joseph responded to him, to, or to them. In verse 20, he says, But as for you, to the brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You know, God is working together all things. And what he did with Joseph, he took all of his events, all of the stuff that he had gone through, and made it work to the point where God's purpose was fulfilled. And as I mentioned to you before, not only did he elevate Joseph's life, but he also fulfilled a greater purpose that was much bigger than Joseph. It is, it's interesting how God not only can deliver you from, from stuff, but also through that stuff can use you to be an answer to somebody else. Amen. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it's a very familiar verse, it says, And we know that all things, say all things, <clears throat> work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. He says, All things, not some things, not most things, but all things. The word work together implies a present action, which means that all things are continually working together for your good. So imagine going through whatever it is that you're going through. And God is taking all of those things and putting it all together and making it work for you. So, you know, when Joseph had a rough life, it, I mean, he just had some bad luck, if there, was, if, if there was no luck at all. But of course, we don't believe in luck. But he had a bad life. But God worked it all out and had a happy ending. And I believe that God wants to give you a happy ending. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Yes. Then you got to believe that God is working out your situation. He's working on it. God is arranging and rearranging all things in our lives 
for our ultimate good. Go to Exodus chapter 3, and let's look at Moses as another, as another example, another favorite story of mine. Exodus chapter 3, and you know the story of Moses. First 40 years of his life, things were looking pretty good. The next 40 years of his life, things weren't looking too good at all. And all because of one bad decision. One bad decision changed his whole life. It turned his whole life upside down. God appears to Moses in chapter 3, in beginning verse 9. It says, Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptian oppressed them. Verse 10 says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now let's back up a bit. Before all this came to pass, Moses had spent the last 40 years in hardship, working at some dead-end job in the desert of Midian. He had a family, but his life was rough. It was very hard. That type of lifestyle he was living was hard, all because of one bad decision. And you, if you put yourself in his shoes. At one point, he had a heart for God's people. The problem was that he tried to save these people by himself, one man at a time. Ended up killing an Egyptian soldier. And now he's a fugitive. And because of that, now the next 40, that last 40 years, has been in obscurity. And you can't blame him for feeling like this is it. Broken dreams, regrets, angry, depressed, living this life of tending sheep, a mundane job. But what Moses didn't know was that God was working. God was using those 40 years to prepare him. You know, the 40 years, or I should say the consequences, was never removed. I know something about consequences. You commit something, you do something, there are consequences. The consequences of his decision was never removed. The years that he lost were lost forever. But this is what God does. God will take the value of those lost years and pour it into the next 40 years of his life. That's what God does with us. He'll take the years that we've lost. Glory to God. And make our next life, the rest of our lives, more meaningful, more valuable, more effective. Hallelujah. More significant. God knows what he's doing. And God is working to make sure that happens. Some of you may have have wasted your life making bad choices. Maybe you're indecision. Maybe you're just afraid to make the next move. And then you look back and years have already gone by and you said, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? But God knows how to pour all that value of that lost years and pour it into the remaining years of your life. Go with me. To Joel chapter 2. And it's interesting too when you, Job, I'm Joel, prophet Joel, chapter 2. And you know, if you look carefully in Moses' life, you can see that God was working. Because if you stop and think about it, when he was born, he was born during a great persecution. And God spared him from the sword of an Egyptian. It wasn't by chance that Pharaoh's daughter found him floating in the river. And it wasn't a coincidence that he was wandering in the desert while the bush was burning. That was all orchestrated by God. In Joel chapter 2, listen to what Joel says. In chapter 2, verse 24. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore, verse 25, I will restore to you what? The years 
that the swarming locust has eaten. Glory to God. God will restore not only what has been lost, but he'll give you so much more. God is working it out. Say that with me. God is working it out. Let me give you another example. Elijah. Go to 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah was told by God to go to King Ahab and tell him that there's going to be a great famine in the land. And so when Elijah told Ahab that, God instructed him to hide himself by the brook Cherith. And there he's going to sustain him. And as he hid by the brook Cherith, God says, I've commanded the ravens to come and feed you in the morning and in the evening, both bread and meat. And that went on for a season until the brook dried up. Then God told him, in verse 9, Go once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow woman in that place to sustain you or to supply you with food. Now, isn't it interesting? Elijah went to Zarephath, saw the widow woman, and asked the widow woman for some water. And he says, while you're at it, will you please give me, make me some bread? Listen to what the woman, the widow woman said. Verse 12. As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Let's stop there. Why would God send Elijah to, send to, to somebody to sustain him when they had nothing to sustain him with? Why would God send Elijah to a widow woman to a city that was ravaged by the, by the famine and a widow, widow woman who was just about to prepare her final meal before she died, her also greatly affected by the famine. And you can imagine Elijah said, make me some bread. And she says, I've got none. I said, but Lord, didn't you tell me that you commanded this widow woman to give me, to make me some bread, and yet she's got nothing? How many have ever been disappointed before? You, you were expecting something, and you had your heart set on it, only to find out it didn't happen. Big disappointment. But Elijah wasn't disappointed. All he had, he didn't bring any money. I mean, and, and look at it from the widow's perspective. She said, this guy comes to my house, tells me to go get him some water, and then has a nerve to tell me to make him some bread. The least you're going to do is bring some money, or at least bring some of the ingredients so I can make you some. But he brought nothing. All he had was a word from the Lord. The Lord says, I commanded the widow woman to sustain you. And, the, and of course, you know the story, Elijah said, go ahead and make it anyways. And the Bible says that she had not only made him some bread, but she had enough to last her throughout the, the famine. But see, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about where God is working it doesn't, even though it may not seem like nothing's happening, or when things are falling apart around you, if you stand your ground and trust God and know what he said in his word, he's going to work on it. And he's going to fulfill it. Even Paul, even Paul took, after, took care of God, uh, uh, even God took care of Paul, working things out in his life. Paul was, had a ministry where he was traveling everywhere. And keep in mind, too, that Paul didn't receive much offerings. There was a time where he even told the Corinthian church uh, not to bother to giving him anything. Not that it wasn't within his right, which was, it was within his right, to receive compensation from the church. But he said, because I don't want the gospel to be hindered, you don't need to go ahead and, def, uh, and you know, pay me my offerings or my tithes or whatever. He says, I'll make my own way, because he was a tent maker. That's what I love about Paul. But, Paul made, but God made sure that Paul was looked after, because as you know, he went through all kinds of stuff. He went through some tremendous persecution. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. But God was working things out in his life. Because the greatest testimony that Paul had was the fact that he wrote his last letter to Timothy saying, I finish my work. I fought the good fight. Now I'm ready to be received. In all the things that, God, that, that Paul had gone through, 
God was working in his life because there was a greater purpose that God had using Paul. So it's interesting how we know, as long as we know that we are part of God's family, that God is looking after us, we can stand up against anything that comes against us, knowing and believing that God is working things out in our lives. And again, it's very easy to become discouraged when things don't seem to be working. But I want you to remember that even when it doesn't seem like it's working, even when everything seems to be crumbling around you, even when things don't seem to work, even though it may seem like it's taking a long time, even if, it's, if you don't seem to understand why things are going on, stop and remember, God is working on it. Do you believe that? Yes. Let's close your eyes and let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you all the glory and praise, Father. We thank you, Father God, for doing a mighty work in our lives. Father, we thank you, Father God, that even though we may not see you, even though we might not see what's going on around us, but we know you're there. We know that you're active. <clears throat> we know that you're up to something, Father, concerning us. And so, Father, we thank you. And Lord, we trust you, Father, with our lives. We thank you, Father God, for seeing us through our times, our dark times. Thank you, Father God, for making a way where there's no way. Father, thank you for working all things for my good. We thank you, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for restoring the years that we've wasted. Restoring the years that the canker worm has eaten. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for making our lives that much better. More significant. More value. And more effective. Father, we thank you, Lord. And Father, I thank you for the hearers today. I thank you that you spoke into their hearts. I thank you you've confirmed some things to them, Father. I thank you, Father God, that you've encouraged their spirit. I thank you that you've encouraged their faith. I thank you, Father God, that when they leave here, they'll know, Lord God, that you are working on it. And Father, for this we thank you. And give you all the glory and praise that you so deserve. In the name of Jesus, we thank you.